a soldier of the cross of Jesus. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You have to know the principle behind John 3.16. That's the word. Christ is enough. Christ is the enough. Is, when you read the Bible, when you understand how beautiful the presence of God is, you can't take it for granted. The Bible says that you must eat of this word daily. It's only the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Christ is enough. Christ it's only the precious enough. blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Hello, this is Pastor Caleb Sukul. Thank you for tuning in into Calvary with Caleb Sukul. Please prepare your hearts as we listen to this week's sermon. Good morning, everyone. I greet you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. It's good to see all of you here today. And I want to give thanks for the Lord because He has given us the breath of life. Today, a lot of people may not have woken up, but we woke up. And sometimes it's important to remember the small things in life. And it's important to give thanks to God for the small things. So I'm reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Let me read that again. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Amen. Now, the thing over here is the Bible says God's eyes is running to and fro the whole earth to look for someone that's loyal to him, that he can show himself strong to that person. I hope you and I are in that category where the Lord sees our heart and sees that we are loyal to Him and He may show Himself strong to us. Our scripture reading today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 13 to 25. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 to 25. Bible says, verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to touch on a few things in that verse. It says, loins of your mind. Now, you know, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, the Bible talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And it says, gird up your loins. Now, here in this verse, it says, the loins of your mind. What is he talking about when he says, gird up your loins and then the loins of your mind. When you gird up your loins, it's talking about your private parts. 
talking about your carnality, talking about your flesh that needs to be girded, needs to be killed. Now, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and it says the loins of your mind, what is he talking about here? It's talking about your private thoughts, that our private thoughts the Lord sees. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Our private thoughts must be pure before the Lord. I can't see what you are thinking. You can't see what I'm thinking. But the Lord sees. And when the Lord inspects our hearts, when the Lord looks at our thoughts, let our thoughts be pure before the Lord. Then it goes on to say, be sober. Now, I think that's self-explanatory. Makes it very clear here. Be sober. Be sober in your mind, in your thought life. Be sober in your physical life. Don't be drunk. Don't be high on drugs. Be sober. And then it says something profound. He uses the phrase, revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many of you understand we must catch a revelation of who Jesus Christ is? Amen? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. That means He reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who Jesus Christ is. No man can say that Jesus Christ is Lord unless the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to you. Now, when he talks about the revelation of Jesus Christ here, we have to know the heights and the depths, the length and the breadth of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, at that point, we catch a revelation of who he is. He is Lord and He is Savior. But that's the departure point in our Christianity. We cannot stay there. We must grow in the Lord and grow in the things of the Lord. Yes, Jesus Christ will always be our Lord and He will always be our Savior. And we are grateful for what He has done on the cross. But that cannot be the be-all and the end-all of who Jesus Christ is. We can't stop there. We must grow in Christ. Christ is seen throughout the pages of the Bible. He shows himself in different forms. He shows himself in different ways. And we must understand him in those ways. The heights and the depths of who Jesus Christ is. Yes, he is Lord and yes, he is Savior. But we need to know him according to the word of God. The Bible describes him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. May Jehovah Rapha be revealed to you that you know that your Lord is your healer. Amen. When he said, I am that I am, he made it clear that I am whatever you need me to be. Now, he's not a little genie in the bottle. He is God. But he will see to every need that you have. This God that we have wants to have a personal relationship with us that I am that I am. If you need me to supply your needs, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. If you need me to heal you, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He is whatever you need him to be. 
We cannot just stop there at Jesus is Lord and Savior. We have to know the heights and the depths of who Jesus Christ is. Verse 14, it says, As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the formal lusts, as in your ignorance. Now the phrase there, former lust, this talks about how we used to live our lives before we understood the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. The former lust, the things I used to do, I do them no more. The former lust, the ways of the world, the old man that you have put to death. The former lust, we cannot conform ourselves to the former lust. We cannot live that way anymore. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. Some might say, but I did it, but I didn't know it was wrong. God understands, you were ignorant. But now that we know what's right and what's wrong and what's pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, we cannot go back to those former lusts. We cannot look like the world and say we are the ecclesia, we are the called out, we are the church. If we say we are the church, then we must be called out, separated from the world and separated unto the Lord. Amen. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Conduct, what is that? The way we live our lives. We must live our lives with the spirit of excellence. We must live our life in a Christ-like manner. Amen. Verse 16. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. How many of you understand we serve a holy God? Amen. And if he is holy, he's instructed us in his word. We too must be holy. Be holy. He's talking to us. Be holy. For I am holy. If we say we are Christians, then we must behave like Christians. We can't be Christians only on a Sunday and then behave like the world for the rest six days of the week. Be holy, for I am holy. Seven days of the week, 24-7. Be holy, for I am holy. If we are calling ourselves Christians, then we must behave in a Christ-like manner. Are we perfect? No, by no means, by no stretch of the imagination. But that is not a license for you to sin because you can't go back to the former lust. Amen. Then Bible goes on to say, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here, in fear. That's 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17. Now he uses the word Father. How many of you understand we serve the true and living God? Amen. We don't serve a false God. We don't serve dead idols made by the hands of man. We serve the true and living God. He uses the word Father. And if you look at your text, it's written in capital letters. Father, the F is in capital. Father, that means there's only one God, the true and living God. There are other false gods, small letter G. But there's only one true God, capital letter G. 
and he is the father, the father of creation. Then he uses the phrase here, your stay here, your stay here. What is he talking about? Your stay here. He's talking about our time here on earth. We are sojourners on this planet. Heaven is our home. We are citizens of heaven. We are only passing through here. Amen. We are only passing through here. So when he says your stay here, your stay here, you must acknowledge the true and living God. That your time on this earth, you must know who the true and living God is. That you are calling on his name. You are calling him father. You are, you are recognizing and acknowledging him while your time is here on this earth. And then he says, in fear. Now this fear over here is a reverential fear. It's respect. It's reverence unto the Lord. It's not fear out of being scared for him. It's fear out of reverence for him. That he is the Holy One of Israel, the Bible says. You know, if a dignitary had to walk in here, we'll all sit up straight and give this guy or this lady our respect. If the president or if the queen or somebody of importance had to come, we'd make sure our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed. When we come to church and when we, and when we are in the sanctuary of the Lord, we must give the presence of the Lord its due respect. We must give the Lord Jesus Christ his due respect. This is his house. This is his church. He is the true shepherd. He is the good shepherd. When we come here, we didn't come here to see each other. You did not come here to church to see me today. You came here to worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. So your stay here on this planet, when we call on the name of the Lord, we understand that he is the true and living God. We must give him his due respect. Give him his reverence that's due to him. Amen. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. Now I want to explain the thing of here where it says corruptible things like silver or gold. Now we all know that Jesus Christ was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. But here in the Bible, it says that we were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver or gold. Jesus Christ did not redeem us with silver or gold. He did not redeem us with 30 pieces of silver. He did not redeem us with all the gold in the world because all those things are passing away. It's corruptible. Amen. From your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. There are a lot of false things that people pass on. There are a lot of false doctrines that go around. And we must know what's right and we must know what's wrong. We can't say, well, my father taught me this, so therefore it's right. We can't say, well, the pastor taught me this, therefore it's right. It could be wrong. You must know Jesus Christ for yourself. You must know the word of God for yourself. You must have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 19, he goes on to say, But with the precious blood of Christ, 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, in the preceding verse, it says you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. In verse 19, it says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ, the perfect sacrificial lamb of God, shed his precious blood for you and for me. He did not redeem us with corruptible things. He did not redeem us with all the silver and all the gold in the world. He redeemed us by laying down his life. He shed his precious blood for us. He is in his incorruptible. He is incorruptible. Our salvation is incorruptible. Please don't take your salvation lightly. Please do not take your salvation lightly. The fact that you call on the name of Jesus Christ, the fact that we call ourselves Christians, do not take that lightly. Please do not take that lightly. It cost him something. He shed his blood. It cost him his life. So you and I can be children of God. Please don't take your salvation lightly. Verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Foreordained. Do you know Jesus died on purpose? Jesus died on purpose. I know we're coming to Christmas now and we're going to be celebrating the birth, but I want you to understand. Jesus died on purpose. He was born to die. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This wasn't an accident. Yes, we understand the role Judas had, but Jesus was foreordained to die on that cross for you and for I. His purpose was his death, burial, and resurrection to reconcile us back unto the Father. Where the first Adam sinned, the last Adam redeemed us. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then he goes on to say in verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. He uses the phrase here, through him in God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Verse 22, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. This is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit at the new birth, also known as being born again. Since we are now born again, since we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, love one another fervently with a pure heart. If we go back further up 
And when we read the text where it says, we got to move away from our former lust. You see, the things of the world, the world behaves differently to how you and I should behave and how you and I should conduct our lives in a Christ-like manner. Because when the world says, I love you, they don't mean I love you. They're just saying it at first face value. But when Jesus Christ says he loves us, he showed us his love by laying down his life. He set an example that when we love, we must love purely and fervently. It must be sincere. Now, because Christ is inside of us, we must love each other sincerely. Like how Christ loves us sincerely, we too must love each other sincerely. Amen. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Your salvation and my salvation is forever because he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the ancient of days. He made a statement that I was there when I saw Satan fall like lightning. He is the one true King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Jehovah Jireh and he is God all by himself. He is the true and living God, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is yet to come. We are going to celebrate the Advent just now. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, let us not be ignorant of his second coming. Let us be mindful of the hour. Let us be mindful of the season we find ourselves in, that Christ is returning. Yes, we celebrate his birth, but we must hold on to that old rugged cross. Verse 24 to 25, the Bible says, because all flesh is as grass, and all glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the Gospels was preached to you. Now this is the word which by the Gospel was preached to you. Verse 24 to 25 is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 to 8. Peter here is quoting Isaiah. So nobody must say we don't need the Old Testament anymore. Because subsequently what Peter has done, he has brought the Old Testament, that verse, into the New Testament. Christ is concealed in the Old Testament and revealed into the New Testament. When we understand verse 24 to 25, it really talks about how our life is here today and gone tomorrow. That we must make the most of our time here. That we are here only for a brief moment in time and we can't squander it away. We can't waste it chasing after mammon, chasing after the things of this world. We can't waste it trying to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. We must honor God with our time. Make the most of it. Seek the Lord. Seek Him earnestly. Know the heights and the depths of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's turn to Psalms chapter 56, verse 13. Psalm 56, verse 13. The Bible says, 
for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living, that I may walk before God, that I may walk before God. In the Latin Vulgate, that phrase over there is Corum Deo. It means to live in the presence of God, to live before the face of God. Essentially, it means living before God. And that's how we must live. When we read this text, this text dictates to us, this text instructs us, this text teaches us how to live before God, that we were not redeemed with incorruptible things. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that we cannot live like the world and have our former lust. We must hold on to that old rugged cross and be holy, for I am holy. We must live before the Lord. Amen. We must live before the Lord. What we think, what we say, and what we do must all be the same, because the Lord knows our thoughts. He tests our heart and He tests our mind. The Lord tests us. The Lord doesn't tempt us. The Lord tests us. Therefore, what we think, what we say, and what we do must all be the same. Gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. Verse 13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, your inner thoughts, in your heart of heart. The Bible says, David said, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see, a lot of us know memory verses. A lot of us know scriptures. Unfortunately, it's only head knowledge. But we have to take the word from our head and put it in our heart that now we live this word. We live the word. We have to live the word back to God. God has given us the word. He has given us instructions. He has given us the written word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We must read this word and we must live this word. And we must live this word before God. We must live this word, this written word, for an audience of one. We must live before God. We must not live before man. We must live before God. How many of you, how many of you were forced to come to church today? I hope nobody was. How many of you came to church because you love Jesus Christ? You couldn't wait to be in the presence of God. You couldn't wait to be in the house of God. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up into the house of the Lord. We must live before God. His eyes is watching us. We must live before God. When we are at work and if our boss gives us an instruction, we know we do that task to the best of our ability because our boss is watching us. God has given us instructions through his written word, how we should live our daily lives. We now 
must live before God. Give Him our best. Give Him our all. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's live the word back to God. He gave us the word. Let us take it, put it in our hearts, and live it back to Him. Amen. You see, we can't live the word back to God if we first don't read our Bible. How else will we live the word if we don't read the Bible? How else will we live the word if we don't know what the word says? We have to eat our daily bread. This is how we become familiar. This is how we become edified with the word of God. This is how we receive new revelation of who Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ is found in the pages of this Bible. When we read the epistles, they instruct us on daily living, how we should live our lives before God, how we should treat each other, and how we should live our lives in front of the world. That if we are Christians, we must behave like Christians. How many of you understand you are the only Bible that the world may ever read? The world may not pick up their Bible and read it. But brothers and sisters, I say this truth. They are reading you. They are reading me. They are watching us. Let us portray Christ. Let us take up our cross and follow him. Let us be good disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. This word that we have is precious. It came to us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Calvary. Let us be good disciples. Let us be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Take up our cross and follow him. Let us live before the Lord. Coram Deo. Let us live before the Lord. Let us be mindful of His presence, that the eyes of the Lord is on us. Even though people may not be watching us, God is watching us. Let us glorify Him. Let us worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let us be so in love with Jesus that the former lust of the world will not draw us back. Let us be so in love with Jesus Christ that when he says, be holy for I am holy, it's a place and it's a position that comes easy for us because it's done out of love. It's not done in our own strength. It's done in his strength. It's done because of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you, O Lord, that your word is true. God, we thank you today, Almighty Father, that you have spoken to us through your word. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live before you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be better every day. Help us, Holy Spirit, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed through the renewing of our minds, that we may be Christ-like, 
that we may show Christ to the world. Help us, Holy Spirit, to stand strong in the Lord. Father, I pray, Almighty God, that even as those have heard the word today, I pray, Almighty God, let this fall onto good ground. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you be the after speaker, that you are the one who will reveal Christ to them as they go and read their Bibles. I pray even as they meditate on this word being preached to them, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate their minds and show them your ways. Draw them closer to you. Be a friend to them. Be a comforter to them. I thank you that you will not leave us orphans, that you will be with us right until the very end of the age. Your promise is true. Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we need you in our lives. Abba Father, what can we say but we love you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Help us to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, that we may live before you, that we may live a life that's pleasing before you. Help us. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own strength. We need you. Every day we need you. We ask this with much thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, Calvary with Caleb Suku. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. You're welcome to rate, review, or comment below. Until next week, let Christ be seated in our hearts. God bless you.